Are we grateful for a great family of God that we can join in and be a part of? Amen? Amen. Lots of things going on with the building outside. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of things are happening. And so uh, just pay attention. Thank you again for your giving. Your giving is such a blessing to this church. It allows us to feed these kids, bust these kids, shuttle these kids back and forth, getting them here all different times of the week. And this uh, expansion out here is a youth expansion. Half of the building is for the youth. So just know that you are blessing the next generation. It is huge to bless the next generation. Amen. Let's give a good hand to my wife. I love her so much. All right, so we have refreshments in the back. Also, Pastor Jan is starting the Pillars class over tonight. So if you need to catch the Pillars class, you can go through room 201 right here. The, the people that are joining that tonight are dismissed. And if you want to get some refreshments, you're dismissed also. Or you're free to get that while we make this transition. Welcome, 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 everyone. You can go get popcorn if you want some. I know it's different. I know you're like, popcorn and a sermon. I've never had that together before. But if you have been coming to Covenant for the last two years, you've been having popcorn and sermon together. They actually go very well together. And I actually like keeping popcorn because it keeps everybody awake. So it, it helps people pay attention. Uh, let me make some announcements really quick. If You know, we had 41 people in our deliverance training session this Sunday. So God is really raising up a team of people. And we're going to have session two of the deliverance training this Sunday night at 5 o'clock, from 5 o'clock to 6 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, we'll have prayer. We do prayer every Sunday night. It is... The Sunday night prayer is probably my favorite time of the week. It is, it is very wonderful. Also, if you've started coming to church here since March, then this Sunday we are asking you to be our VIP. We want to feed you lunch after church. We'll have Sunday morning service. And, um, and then when service is over, you'll go downstairs into the GPEC room. And, and the pastors and leaders, we want to have some time to to visit with you. So we're going to feed you lunch. I believe we're doing a taco bar this Sunday. And this is not, you don't have to be a member. You just have to have started coming to covenant since March. So if you've been one time since March, you qualify to be our VIP. Our standards are really low. <laughs> no, not really. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if Sunday morning you have a friend that's checking it out for the first time. They're invited. Anybody that's been coming since March, whether you're a member or not, or just still thinking about whether or not you are interested in coming to church, you're welcome. So that's this Sunday. Also, if you are a single widow, then this next Sunday is the time that our single widows gather for lunch. Lita Nash, wave your hand real big back there. Uh, she heads up the single widows group, and they're going to go to lunch. They go to lunch the the last Sunday of every month, and so that'll be this Sunday. All right. I think that's it. Have we made the, the transition? All right. Well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for another opportunity 
to share your word. I thank you for your faithfulness, God. You are way more faithful to me than I am to you. And I thank you that you have so faithfully spoken to us a message for us week after week after week. God, you know how everything played out today. And I thank you that you have spoken. But now I need you to finish what you have started. So I'm asking you in faith and believing that you're going to help me to speak your word on your behalf tonight. Help me to represent you well. I want to please you above all else. Father, I pray that every heart would be open to receive your word tonight. Let it do the work that it is intended to do. Rebuke the devourer in the name of Jesus. Every distraction, every interruption, every tool that the enemy would use to steal the word, I bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. And I declare that the word of God is quick, it is alive, it is powerful, and it will do the work that it is supposed to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody say amen. So be it in my life. Okay, so we are on part nine of It's a Battle. I'm not going to go through the previous eight lessons. Um, but this series is one that I promised would be dealing with very real and very raw issues. We are, um, this series is not full of church rhetoric. This series is hopefully meeting you at the point of your struggle. How many of you would say that the Lord has spoken to you right on your battlefield uh, at some point during these previous eight weeks? And I think he'll do so again today. The only, the only thing I'm confident in tonight is I am confident that he has spoken to me. The way it all played out could only be from the Lord and I called my mom today. I've, I've been taking notes for It's a Battle. I have been writing down battles and struggles ever since um, the Lord put this series on my heart. And I think this is probably the fourth Wednesday in a row where I'm teaching on something that never made the list. And I think we top it all off today. I have, I have been working on a couple of different things over the last couple of weeks and felt Sure, that, that is what I would talk about today, but this morning I woke up and had a phone call from my dad, and I, I needed to do a little work for him, so I put my 40-year-old glasses on and looked at my computer. Who, who has to have 40-plus-year-old glasses? You know what I'm talking about. So I put those, those readers on and looked at my computer screen working on something for my dad and I do dedicate Wednesdays completely to studying but it was just something short I needed to do for him and so I was looking at the computer screen and looking at my phone I was like oh, I can't see I can't see and my husband knows how that works with me when I lose my vision a migraine's coming on so it's Wednesday and that's the day to study and I'm looking at my computer and I'm like oh babe I cannot see and and it, things just go blank and I can only see uh, like bits and pieces, but I literally can't, can't see. And he's like, no, no. And he prayed for me in the name of Jesus. And, um, so I, I closed my eyes and, uh, wasn't able to pick up my Bible and read like I 
like is my, I guess, I don't want to use the word habit, but my plan, I guess, every morning. And so um, sat in the recliner, wasn't sleepy. I'd already slept all night. Sat in the recliner, had to close my eyes, couldn't look at my phone, couldn't look at my Bible, couldn't look at anything, and, and just said, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm needing you to touch my body in the name of Jesus. So I, I laid there, and all I could do, I turned on an audio book and finished a book that I've been um, listening to over the last several weeks, and I just laid there with my eyes closed, finished the audio book, and thought, well, what now? Well, I'm just going to meditate on the Lord for tonight. So I, I got my head comfortable because by then I was maybe starting to feel a little bit of pain. And, and um, so, okay, God, here we are. What do you have to say to your people tonight? What's the word? I've got all kinds of ideas, but what, what are you needing and wanting your people to hear tonight? So while my eyes were closed, he absolutely spoke something to me that has never crossed my mind before. And sure enough, it goes hand in hand with what my husband spoke on Sunday. So it's a battle. It's a battle. And I never got a bad migraine today. I never was uh, shut down with pain. And I'm excited um, that the Lord shut me down and shut me up and stopped me long enough to interrupt my structure, interrupt my schedule, interrupt my plans for this very important message. Okay, so are you ready for it? Okay, well, tonight's lesson is um, to the people with good intentions. If you have good intentions in your walk with God and, and you have good intentions on trying to, I wore my continually better shirt on purpose that's our, that's our theme here. We are, we are trying, we are on a journey to continually better. So all the people that have good intentions, trying to get close to God, trying to get started on this journey of following Jesus, and, and your intentions are good, but, but, B-U-T, you're not seeing the results that you want to see. This is to you tonight. So let me take you back to the same text that I have used over the last several weeks, and we're going to pull out another part of what Jesus said. Matthew 24, 3 through 14, and Ben, I'm going to be in the Tree of Life version. Ben, I think it's going to say TLV for you, and we'll give him time, but I'm going to go ahead and read. So as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things happen? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Yeshua, which is Jesus, answered them, Be careful that no one leads you astray. Everybody say, leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will lead many astray. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must happen, but it is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places, but all these things are only the beginning of birth pains. Verse 9 says this, Then they will hand, this is still Jesus speaking, Then they will hand you over to persecution and will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. 
Verse 10, really listen to me right here, Jesus' words. And then many will fall away. All right, everybody say, many will fall away. And then many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false pro prophets will arise and, here we go again, lead many astray. I, I bet maybe by now you kind of have a hint on some kind of uh, direction that I'm going to be going. Because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will grow cold. I spoke about that three weeks ago. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. I spoke about that two weeks ago. This good news of the kingdom shall be proclaimed in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. All right, Ben, let's now go to verse 23. That same chapter, verse 23. Jesus still speaking. He says, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders so as to, read this with me, lead astray, if possible, even the, even the what? Even the chosen. Okay, I've already told you these sermons are not to the lost these sermons are to the quote-unquote saved. Jesus is saying great signs and wonders are going to be performed at the hands of false prophets and liars, people claiming to be the Messiah, and they will lead astray, if possible, even the chosen. Okay? If you're hearing this message tonight, you're the chosen. So you look over to your friend and say, that's you he's talking to. Then he issues this. He says, see, keep going, see, I have told you beforehand. He's saying, I'm warning you before you need to hear it, okay? Now, Ben, let's go, just stay in that same version, 2 Peter 3 verse 17 2nd Peter 3 verse 17 Peter says since you already know all of this loved ones be on your guard so that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and that next phrase says lose your footing okay so say that with me lose your footing lose your sure footing and when he gets to that, he'll put it up there, 2 Peter 3, 17. Be on guard that you are not led astray by the error of the lawless and lose your sure footing. If you'll know, or if you'll think back, yep, you see it right there and lose your sure footing. If you'll think back to Sunday, what did my husband preach? Hold your ground. Back in August, Brad Guidry preached hold fast. And then my husband on the following Sunday said, hold fast. I didn't plan this, but the spirit of the Lord spoke to me very clearly today. I did not have any notes on this. So all I know is that he must have a special word for somebody who feels like they have not been able to get sure footing. They're not able to hold their ground and this is what their life looks like. So, Ben, let's play 
that um, video. Watch the white car. All right, it's going to loop and play a couple of times. So this is the battle that the Lord has talked to me uh, to share with you tonight. Two struggles. The struggle to gain traction and the struggle to maintain traction. Okay, there's two groups of people in this room. There are those that have had trouble um, gaining traction. You, we're talking continually better. We're talking about a relationship with God. We're talking about living for God. And you see it idealistically, but there's such a gap between the sermon and your life. You're not able to get on this journey of continually better. And every time you do, you slip. You don't have good traction. And then you might get good traction. This is to a second group of people, but you can't maintain it. You'll be strong for three weeks and then down for four and then strong for two months and out for six. You find, you finally get traction and gain a little traction, but you can't maintain traction. And I told Atlanta this week, we're preaching to you guys. If you've been here a long time, we need you to get strong. We need you, the Spirit of the Lord is telling you, hold fast, stand your ground, gain some traction, and go, baby, go, and maintain that traction so your life does not look like the video that... I'm going to ask Ben to play a couple more times, okay? So what does it mean when I use the expression gain traction? The expression gain traction actually means this. And um, Ben, you can go ahead and put up now slide number one. This is what the expression gain traction means. This, this website says, this is a great word today, to gain traction what does it mean to gain traction? It means to have a little bit of success. There is, I believe, a group of people under the sound of my voice that you struggle to get a, a little success in your walk with God. You want to, but your feet keep getting knocked out from under you. You keep finding yourself on a slippery slope with no traction, and you can't ever get two steps strong. This website says, you know how when you try to do something, but it just never really gets off to a good start. If you are having a hard time getting your walk with God off to a good start, this message is going to help you tonight. Okay? So that's to the first group of people that I'm speaking to. And the second group of people is this, those that have a hard time maintaining traction. I didn't give Lexi the picture for this in time, so I'll just read it to you. The expression to maintain traction is used when you want to express, follow me here, the idea of keeping up a connection or relationship. So you get on the right path, but you have a hard time keeping up your connection with Jesus or your relationship with Jesus. So I don't know why the Lord gave this to me today, but I do know he interrupted my life. And if it's for you, he loves you enough to speak to you tonight. Okay. 
So um, if you know anything about vehicles, I had a little fun time looking up before I found that one. There's something called a traction control system. And if we had a lot of time, which we don't, I would show you videos of no traction control system, which is the Mustang you just saw, versus a traction control system. And so I'm going to give you some knowledge and, and the word of God tonight to implement in your life a traction control system so your life can quit spinning out of control, so your words can quit hurting others so your lifestyle can quit taking people down and knocking people out so you can get off of the path of destruction onto the path of continually better gain some ground keep some ground all right you ready so as my eyes were closed and I couldn't look at anything the spirit of the Lord just began to speak to me and he said look up every word that has traction in it because I need my people to have traction, to get good traction and maintain good traction. And I'm going to show you the things that are standing in the way of good traction. And the very first thing he gave me is something called attraction. Attraction destroys good traction in your walk with God. Now, Ben, if you'll go back to Matthew 24 verse 24 and see if you see the attraction here okay Matthew 24 verse 24 is where Jesus said many false messiahs and many false prophets will rise up and they will show they will show great signs and wonders and they will attract the enemy will use those as attractions to deceive the chosen the chosen. Why? Because the church people, the chosen, love miracles, signs, and wonders. We are created and designed for the supernatural. Yes, we are. But if we ever replace our hunger to be in right relationship on the track of following Jesus Christ, then the enemy will be able to set off of the right track these attractions of miracles signs and wonders that will absolutely make you lose traction in the last days you see what jesus is saying there all right so we never worship the miracles we never seek after the wonders we worship the miracle worker we worship the god of wonders you got it so we have to be, a, be really careful because attractions can make us lose traction. Attractions, attraction has this. It is the action or the power of evoking your interest, pleasure, or your liking. Now, I'm not going to read all the scriptures because I don't have a lot of time, but I would like for you to go home and study these. James 4. 12 through 15 talks about God never tempts us, but we are tempted when we are dragged away and enticed by our own desire. Our eye gets on an attraction and we lose traction. These are the words that go with attraction, appeal, desirability, seduction, allure, 
charm, magic, spell, lure, draw, enticement, temptation. If you don't watch it, that's why Proverbs says don't look to the right or to the left. Attraction is not a negative thing. You're usually attracted to things you like. You don't call them negative, and the enemy uses them to produce negative results in your life. Okay? So, attraction is the first thing to watch out for in your walk with God. Number two, distraction. Distraction is this, if you'll put slide number two, distraction is a thing that prevents someone from giving full attention to something else. So remember, maintaining traction is maintaining a good connection or relationship. Distraction comes to prevent you from having good relationship and from being able to give your full attention. These are words that go with distraction, diversion, interruption, disturbance, intrusion, interference, obstruction, and hindrance. Let me ask you, what is obstructing your view of God right now? What is hindering your ability to get good traction and maintain good traction as you follow Jesus Christ? What's interfering in your walk with God? What's disturbing your relationship with Jesus? What's interrupting your connection with God? Galatians 5 and 1 says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. And Ben, you don't have to even try to go. I'm teaching adults tonight. They can take notes and study these at home. So I like you keeping the slides up there. Verse 7, Galatians 5 and 7 says, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who distracted you? Who interrupted? Who interfered? Who diverted? Who disturbed? And let me tell you where this goes. I mentioned it last week. Legalism and religion will, is actually what he's talking about. It will cut in on you and absolutely get you to turn to talking about what you can and can't do and what you can and can't eat and what you can and can't think and what you can and can and I'm really trying to use things that aren't really I don't want to step on anybody's toes because I don't know your religious background that you came from but if you don't watch it these things will interrupt where instead of following Jesus Christ you'll get distracted by days and events and beliefs and And the latest teacher on TV. Luke 9 and 62, but Jesus told him, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I planned for him is not fit for the kingdom of God. So we can't get distracted. And hey, I, I talk about legalism a lot because I came out of it. I came out of it. It was very distracting 
to me and I didn't have to have a relationship with God because I had a lot of regulations that made me feel good. Okay, so let me just tell you this. All of your good works, you have to have good works. But your good works don't create a good relationship. Your good works come from a good relationship. Okay, so your good works don't make you have a good relationship. Your good works come from having a good relationship. Good works don't get you traction. Good works come from good traction. You got it? Okay. Number three, retraction will hinder you on your journey of continually better. What is retraction? Retraction is the action of drawing something back or back in. And this is how I feel like the Lord showed it to me. When the enemy's got you on a retractable leash and he doesn't care if you get a little leeway in following Jesus because he knows he holds the leash and all he has to do is pop that button when he wants and it's pulling you right back to him. He doesn't care if you get just a little extra territory as long as he's got the leash and the chains are never broken. And maybe this time you go 60 days instead of 50 days. But he knows he's got the leash in his hand and the moment he's ready to hold you back, he just pulls you right back. you got to watch retraction. If you're faithful for three weeks and then down for one, retraction is hindering your traction. Galatians 6 and 9 says, do not lose heart in doing good, for in due time you will reap if you don't retract. How many times have you retracted in your faith right at the brink of breakthrough? Right at the brink of breakthrough and you retract in your faith and the enemy pops that line and pulls you back. Jesus Christ has sent you to a church where we cut the line. We sever that leash and you can be set free in Jesus' name. So what is it that's causing you to continually retract? And I don't have a lot of time to stay on anything, any of these things. The fourth one is detraction. Ah, this is a huge one. I didn't even know this was a word. Detraction is the act of disparaging or belittling the reputation or worth of a person. And some of you can't get traction and gain traction because you can't take your eyes off of anybody and everybody else. You literally can't gain traction or maintain traction because you're going around trying to get the speck out of everybody else's eye. If you would stop disparaging people, then you would stop setting yourself up for that, that harvest that you're reaping with your words. Proverbs 6 and 12 says this. How many of you admit you didn't know that this was a word and you didn't know what it meant? I didn't. Had no idea detraction. And I sure didn't know it meant the act of disparaging or belittling the reputation or worth of a person. The Lord says there are people that cannot 
move forward in their walk with me because they're too busy criticizing everybody else. And as long as they stay critical of everybody else and keep their eyes on everybody else, the enemy's got them. They're not even a threat to the enemy any longer. If he can keep you distracted with detraction, or if he can use detraction as a distraction, he's got your traction. <laughs> Proverbs 6 and 12. I am going to let Ben, give Ben time to go to this with me. Proverbs 6 and 12. I love that sweet boy up there running this projector. He's so precious. I'm going to go ahead and start reading. A scoundrel, a wicked man, is one who goes around with a perverse mouth, winking his eyes, shuffling his feet. That sounds so much like the current president. Pointing his fingers, who continually plots evil. Hey, I, this is not political, but when, when it's sheer evil is coming through a political platform, don't make it where we can't talk about evil. Okay? Sheer evil, who continually plots evil with deceit in his heart, stirring up strife. Therefore, his disaster will come suddenly. In an instant, he will be broken with no remedy. Keep going. Verse 16. Six things Adonai, the Lord, hates. Seven are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. Everybody say detraction. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that plots wicked schemes, feet that run to evil, and a false witness who spouts lies, say detraction, and one who stirs up strife among brothers, say detraction. It's dangerous, guys. It's dangerous. He literally puts... Stirring up strife among brothers in the same category as shedding innocent blood. If you're stirring up strife among brothers, if you're stirring up strife among um, a church, you might as well go put yourself in the same cell as the murderer. According to this scripture, the Lord hates it all. All right, number five. The fifth thing that will keep you from gaining traction or maintaining traction is subtraction. Subtraction is this. Subtraction is the process or skill of taking one number or amount away from another. Here's why. This keeps you from being able to gain traction because 1 Peter 5 and 8 says, The devil is like a roaring lion. Walking about, seeking whom he may devour. John 10 and 10, Jesus says the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So if he's constantly stealing from you, it's because he feels like he can. Because he's roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. May devour. So you look at others and say, why do they never, why do they never face what I face? Why, why are they never being devoured like I'm being devoured? Well, because the enemy is looking at them and he's like, I can't devour them. Brad said it. He finds the one that's retracted away from the flock and he's alone. He finds the one that has gotten off the path 
eyes on attraction, and then he, he can devour, okay? So if the enemy is constantly stealing from you, it's because as he's watching your life, he's seeing that you're devourable. Okay? I'm not going to stay on that. Number six, the last one. No, two more. Man. Number six, protraction. This is a good one. Protraction is this. The action of prolonging something. All of you people that say, one day I'm going to live for God. Your procrastination is protraction, and it's keeping you from gaining traction in your walk with God. Luke 9, 60 through 62, Jesus walked up to someone and said, follow me. And that person said, well, I, I want to follow you, but first let me go bury my father. You know what Jesus said? You let the dead bury the dead because if you want to procrastinate, you're going to show back up to follow me and you're, I'm going to be miles down the road. So when he issues the call of follow me, if you want to gain traction and get on the path that he has for you, that you see him leading you to, you got to quit telling him tomorrow. You got to quit saying, God, pull me tomorrow. And I'm going to share an old story that, that um, if my dad were in here, he'd probably take this microphone to try to tell it. I'm going to try to tell it briefly. That Satan called all of his army in and he said, we're losing the world. We're losing the world. What are we going to do? And one of these young bucks stood up and said, I know what we'll do. I know what we'll do. And he said, what? He said, we'll just tell them all that Jesus isn't real and that he didn't die on the cross for them. And Satan said, Sit down. That'll never work. They know he's real. They've seen him work. They've felt his touch. They've seen him answer um, prayers of theirs. So sit down. I don't want to hear you. So then another young buck raised his hand and said, I know. I know what you can do. And he said, what? What's your plan? He said, well, we'll tell him Jesus doesn't love him. He, he, he was real and he did die on the cross, but he doesn't love you. He said, oh, you sit down and shut up because they felt his love that's never going to work. And then an old wise one raised his hand and said, I know what we can do. We'll tell them Jesus died. We'll tell them that he loves them. But we'll tell them to give their heart to Jesus tomorrow. Because tomorrow will then turn into tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And they'll die before tomorrow ever comes. Then another also said to Jesus, I'll follow you, Master, but first let me say goodbye to those in my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who has put his hand to the plow and looked back is fit for the kingdom of God. God's been calling you and calling you and calling you and calling you. I know he's been calling you through us. I, I feel it. I feel it. And it's your procrastinating. That's, that is what is standing in your way. You are prolonging something, delaying God's work in your life. Acts twenty two sixteen. you'll see where one of the apostles was speaking to someone and they said, why tarry 
Arise right now and let's get baptized. Like, don't put off the important stuff. Don't delay any longer. And I want you to ask yourself, why am I putting off giving my life to God? Why? What are you waiting to accomplish first? And the last one is abstraction. Abstraction is this. It's the act of considering. Now, listen, with the end times, with where we are, with the threshold that we have crossed over, and we see things changing among us. Things are changing. Things are accelerating at an accelerating rate. I watched a video yesterday on artificial intelligence. You need to watch it. It's very, very alarming what is going on and what the capability. And just because we don't know it doesn't mean it's not happening. Now, I shouldn't take time to tell this, but I'm going to. Now they actually, through artificial intelligence, could scan me briefly and have someone think that they are FaceTiming me. So a parent can be talking to a child, thinking they're talking to their child. It sounds like their child, it looks like their child, but it's not their child on the other line. And with all the videos of ministers and preachers that are out, all they need is three seconds and they can copy your voice and make your voice say anything you want to say. So a preacher you love can all of a sudden tell you things that are blasphemy and you think it's that preacher and it's not that preacher. Or you could get a phone call from your preacher and you think it's your preacher and then you get offended at your preacher for something your preacher never said or did. But it looked like your preacher, sounded like your preacher. This stuff's already happening. Ask me and I'll share it with you. It's really alarming. So abstraction is the act of considering something as a general quality or characteristic. Apart from concrete realities. An impractical idea, something visionary and unrealistic, absent-mindedness and inattention. Second Peter 3, Ben, if you will go there um, for this in the NIV, if you can. Second Peter 3, 1 through 4. For all of you that feel like you've heard about the coming of Christ, you've, you've heard about end times, but it's always been just as this um, unrealistic thing. We have to be careful because he says, I'm coming like a thief in the night. I'm coming when nobody expects me. Why? Because they've turned the reality of my return and the reality of eternity into something that's just a general idea, an impractical idea, something apart from concrete reality. The coming of Jesus Christ and eternal hell is a concrete reality. You got to get it in your mind. It's a concrete reality. There is a burning hell. There is torment forever. You don't have to go there and you weren't created to go there. And if the enemy gets you there, it's because he got you off track. And looking at eternity apart from a concrete reality, it's called abstraction. 
Second Peter 3, 1 through 4, Peter is speaking to his friends and he says, Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. That's what we want to do tonight. We want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Verse 2, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets because they are a concrete reality. Don't have them just abstract in your mind. Verse 3, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Verse 4, they will say, where is this coming he promised? It's just abstract. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting you to perish, but wanting you to come to repentance. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear. It's concrete reality. Verse 11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to recognize it's going to happen. It's not an unimaginable, unpractical thing. It's not abstract. So verse 14, so there, then dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless because you know it's not abstract. You know it's coming. Then verse 17, which is part of my text today, therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you won't be carried away by the error of the lawless and fall from your sure footing. Fall, lose your sure footing. Lose your traction is what he's saying. Right? All right, as they get ready for the baptism, let me tell you now what's necessary. Two things are necessary for gaining traction. Number one is extraction. Extraction is the action of taking out something especially using effort or force. Extraction is removal, uprooting, releasing, separating, pressing. So let me ask you this question. Um, Davey, I'm ready. Let me ask you this question. What is God trying to remove from your life? What is it time to extract from your life? What does God want you to remove from your life? Deuteronomy tells us he's a jealous God. Here's what he wants. He wants you to extract everything I just talked about. Look here. He wants you to extract all of the enemy's attractions and distractions. He wants you to cut out all of the things that cause you to retract. He wants you to remove the quit from your words. He wants you to remove the quit out of your attitude. He wants you to quit saying, I quit. Remove the quit out of your life. 
He wants you to extract all the detractions, all the disgruntledness, all the focusing on others. He wants you to extract all the subtractions. All, and here's, here's how you extract, cut out all the subtractions. You cut out everything that is opening a door for the enemy to come into your life and just steal your joy, steal your peace, steal your love, steal your passion, steal your, right? But you got to close the doors because if you keep opening the doors, the subtractor's coming in. And he's going to steal from you. That's what he does. You know what? Let's, let's fight this battle the right way. Don't come to us expecting us to stop the subtractor. Just shut the door to him. He'll never stop subtracting. He'll never stop putting somebody in front of your eyes that gets your attraction. He'll never stop putting something in your life that wants you to open the door so he can come in. He'll never stop that. But you can stop opening the door. He wants you to extract the protraction. He wants you to cut out all of the procrastinating. He wants you to cut out all of the delaying. I just listened to a book that said, do it now. Do it now. And he wants you to extract all the abstraction, which is the dismissiveness of the things of God. Quit dismissing the things of God. Quit dismissing the eternal things of God. You may have never seen it. Obviously, none of us have ever seen it before. But it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So, if you want to gain traction, you've got to have some extraction in your life, right? And then number two, you've got to have some contraction. Which is the process of becoming smaller you got to set up some boundaries. Girls, you only ever look at boys. Married men, you only ever look at your married spouse. Married wives, you only ever look at your husband. You make your boundaries smaller. You decrease. You don't just allow LGBTQIA. It's not, and that's what's happening. The enemy is coming to tear down every boundary. You got to have some contraction. It's time for your choices and your options to get smaller. You don't think everything you want to think. You don't say everything you want to say. You put up some boundaries and you let your vocabulary get smaller. You let your thoughts get smaller. You let your www's dot whatever get smaller. You let your social media time become smaller. It's time for some shrinking and some decreasing. John the Baptist knew the secret, John 3 and 30. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase. I think my next series is going to be boundaries. You need to give your kids some boundaries. You need to make things smaller in your kids' lives. You need to make smaller what your kids have access to and what your kids are allowed to see and what your kids are allowed to know and where your kids are allowed to go. And for you, you need to make it smaller too. You need to make your options of where you can go and who you can see and what you can do smaller too. 
And that'll never happen to get a good relationship. You'll never be able to have contraction like that unless it comes from a good relationship. He must be greater and I must be less. Proverbs 16 and 18 says, Pride goes before destruction. If you let yourself get bigger, the fall is coming. You're going to look like the Mustang. And you're going to take people down with you. But if you'll make yourself get smaller. He says, humble yourself. Under my mighty hand. Let me lift you up. Ooh, I did it. That's it. That's all my notes. Four minutes left. I want you to stand to your feet if you will. They're going to get ready to baptize. It's time for boundaries. It's time to cut some things out of our lives. It's time to quit letting the enemy cause us to lose ground by attractions and distractions and retraction and detraction and subtraction and protraction and abstraction. It's time to cut those things out of our lives. Yield ourselves to God right now. I want you to bow your head if you will. Do you have a song, Lex? I'm going to, here's how we're going to do this. I'm going to pray. Once I finish praying, Lexi's going to start singing and the altars are open. It's time to gain traction. It's time to hold fast. It's time to hold your ground. Father, I thank you that you warn us. I thank you that you go the extra mile to reach us. I thank you for your long suffering. I thank you that it is not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And I pray that you would bring us to a place of repentance so that we can gain our sure footing and never lose it again. So that when you return and call us home, you will find us worthy. You will find us watching. You will find us waiting. You will find us serving. Lord, I pray that you would clean this house. Anything that is not of God that is happening in this church, we kick it out right now in the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter how attractive it looks. If it's not of God, we don't want it any way that the enemy would try to work among these brothers and sisters and these people watching live stream expose it in Jesus name because we want to follow you with everything that is inside of us and we're not asking you to make us comfortable in our dysfunction we're asking you God to wake us up and shake us and put us on a firm foundation with sure footing in Jesus name amen all right you can come my life is not my own. Heather, upon the confession of your faith, the obedience of the word of God, I baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Give myself to you. Give myself to you. All right, house lights down. You
can come if you want to. A life is not my own. To you I belong. Oh, I give myself, I give myself to you. Oh, a life is not my own. Can y'all hold the music just for a second? Look here. There needs to be one more thing added here. There's nothing to add to this except this is a, a mighty powerful time right now. There needs to be an interaction. An interaction moment with God. You need to, there's, there's more than one here tonight that you have been playing and playing and playing. And it is so past time that you give your heart to God. And there's got to be an interaction. If I am spiritually, if I'm physically dying, I don't go to her and say, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Hey, can you help me? Can you save me? Hey, my family's dying. Heads up. I'm going to hell. I'm going to hell. No, there needs to be an interaction. You need to wake up and reach out to the Heavenly Father. You need to shed some tears. Have a moment at the altar that you had back when you were 12 years old when you gave your heart to God the real way. And there's got to be an interaction. You go, you say, Lord, I am dying. I am in my sin. I am lost. My family is lost. I need you, God. And there's got to be some sincerity. There's got to be some sincerity in our prayers. We have got to get past this church. We have got to get past the point of, oh God, just bless me, Lord. Just somehow, God, just save me. And I'm going to commit to you. And I'm going to pray for two or three minutes and then I'm going to just jet right out those doors and I'm going to go looking for sin again. I'm going to go right back to my rotten sin. No church we have got to turn away from sin. Turn away from the lust of the eye, the flesh and the pride of life. So now is the time. Now is the time for interaction. Now is the time for interaction. It is time to interact with God. So wherever you're at, if you, if you can't make yourself, you just can't make yourself bend a knee. Well then raise your hands or bow your head. Do something to interact with God and change from your sinful ways. I am not talking to an entire room of sinners. I'm talking to about two or three here tonight that God is trying to plead with you and talk to you through this anointed woman of God. To say it is almost too late for you. There's something that I that I am, am, am tied to. There's something that I know, and there's friends that I have, and I have started praying this. It's it's a dangerous prayer for them. But it's Lord, I pray that you will do whatever it takes to save their soul. I don't care if it has to be a disease. I don't care if they have to be locked up in jail. I don't care what it is because I love them so much that I say, Lord, whatever it takes. I mean, I want you, God, to rock their world. Let a sickness fall on somebody. Let them go to jail and be locked up for the rest of their life. That they get pulled away from their sin. That somehow or another, they're, they're slapped to recognition of, I've, I've got to live for God. I've got I'm telling you, church, we love you so much that we will say that prayer. Lord, do whatever it takes. But here's the thing to do. Here's where we got to do this. We don't let yourself get to that point. Give in, to, give in to God now. Give in to God now. 
right now you say I'm interacting as you see those that are praying here that's that's what you do we interact we interact so y'all sing and I want you to have an interaction with God come on church it's time to reach out it's time I give myself Give 